and I think sometimes we get we we accept the lie that somehow we're uniquely broken and that others aren't broken and dealing with sin like we are. And we're like, no, I'm I'm of a particular breed of brokenness that others can't relate to and I'm somehow more vile than the next. And and so we isolate, we hide, and we don't allow that to come into the light where it's going to be cleansed and can be dealt with and we can experience freedom from it in that moment. Mm. And so we try to hide it, um, but that that's a lie. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome back to the Taking Read podcast. I have with me Parker Smith. How's it going? Yee 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 yee. So, do you have to practice your yee yee? Because that's kind of your your thing, or is that just Earl Dibbles? Um, if you are country, it is just kind of in there somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's just, just a matter of, of pulling it out. So, uh, maybe you have to practice the delivery, but um. I don't know. I think it's just kind of that internal call that's in there and you just got to let it out every once in a while. It works to, uh, you know, it, it can be a, a call of kind of life, right? It's kind of this like anthem cry. But I've also found it can wrangle kids pretty good. So we've got mm. a little bit of land <clears throat> and my kids will be playing out in the backyard, climbing trees, playing in the mud. And if I give a good, yeah, then they'll just, they come. Almost like, you know, you're kenneling dogs or yeah. something like, dogs, get in the truck. <laughs> yeah, you are their shepherd, I guess, <laughs> to bring the sheep in. <laughs> yeah, so it, 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 it serves multiple purposes, so I'm, I'm grateful for it. One of my buddies is a high school football coach, and he uh, told me that their uh, code name for their safety blitz on defense is Yee Yee. Nice. He was, very, he was very proud to say that. Is that so like, it can also be used as a code name for a blitz in football. Yes, it's becoming a thing. <laughs> this is so cool. Apparently, uh, I found out that a local high school here, uh, the football coach, uh, shout out coach, Coach Griffin, uh, he plays this during their lifting time at lunchtime at noon. They play the One Take the, and Read podcast. Oh, wow. I yeah, thought you were going to say Earl Dibble's junior song. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that, <laughs> Coach. You'll have to let us know. But uh, yeah, so if you're uh if you're in the weight room right now and somehow this podcast gives you the motivation to kind of hit that PR good on you yeah if um, you're listening to this you got two more in you two more reps <laughs> two more reps. right now <laughs> can, uh, you, can you listen to podcasts when you're working out or are you all exclusively music or do you like silence it depends on the the workout so if it's a if it's a high intensity kind of thing where like I need, I know I've got, like I got to just kind of dial it in. I need some good intense music. But there are some times where it's like a long run or a row or something like that. And I just, I just settle into a rhythm. I mean, I can, I can listen to a podcast at that point. Or if it's like a lifting day and I'm just kind of hitting some lifts, I can listen to a podcast. And I don't have to get Do pastors that. exclusively listen to worship if they're listening to music? I don't know if other pastors do, but I listen to a pretty good variety of music. Mm. 
Uh, I will rock, yeah, things from 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s to the present. Mm. I have a pretty eclectic mix. Like right now, I don't even know if I should name the bands, but my son, my oldest son, is in this season where he is 13, and he's like, Dad, what did you listen to when you were 13? Well, I was 13 in the, the early 90s, and so I pull up songs from the early 90s that I remember rocking out to, and some of my first CDs and cassette tapes. You Do, do you know what those things are? I know what they are. I've never used one. Okay, very good. Yeah, but back then it was even like a thing where you would listen to the radio. There was Casey Kasem's Weekly Top 40 and on Saturdays, and I would have a blank tape, and as I waited for him to announce songs that I liked, I would get and I would record them off the radio so that I had them. So, yeah. Anyway, so my oh. son, so we have a playlist that's just called uh, 93 Jams, and it's just songs from the early 90s, and my son just rocks it because he's like, yeah, I like this. My, my dad's music. Yeah. <laughs> Raised right. That's right. So um, anyway, so good to have you back. Good to be back. Uh, you're still in, uh, in, you know, you've, you're, you're running a company. You're, you're a fiancé. You have a fiancé. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're jumping into another person's family and in that process of them becoming your family. I'm sure that's a wild experience. It is, yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> it's very clear early on that this, this process of marriage is, I heard it before said that it is for, uh, it is sanctification or becoming more holy through the process of service and, and sacrifice. And it's like, yeah, but like there's going into it. You're like, yeah, but like, it's going to be, I don't know. You just think it's going to be different than, than, right. than what it was. And then immediately it's just like shot to the gut of like, and not to say that it's, I don't know what I'm saying, but it's, it's just, uh, it's like, oh, there's someone else that I have to be thinking about for all of these decisions now. Yeah. One decision comes up and it's like, oh, I clearly know what I would do in this situation and this is what's going to be, that is best for me. Yeah. And then immediately it's like, oh, you have someone else to, to consider in all of these, all of these little decisions. So um, it's been, it's been um, really humbling and uh, really revealing of my nature and it's going to be an awesome refining yeah, uh, buddy. thing. Yeah. I think uh, I probably, I think I was talking to you and Amy about it, about this will be a, a process where you realize just what a selfish pig you are. Maybe I said that, I don't know. Exactly, yes. But, (laughs) and it's not because I particularly know you and I'm like, oh, now you're really going to (laughs) see, right? Now you know Parker. (laughs) (laughs) But there was a, I I had a buddy in college who, while all of us were single, he had just gotten married and was still in college. And I saw him around campus and I'm like, hey man, how's it going? And he's like, I'm such a selfish pig. I was like, what? And he just said, there's nothing that just shows you how much you concentrate on yourself until you start sharing your life with someone else and how in how little you consider them 
before you consider yourself. And mm. so, um, yeah. So the, I'm sure the Lord's kind of teaching you some stuff. Does it revolve around that? Or in this season, do you kind of step back and say, I can see the Lord's trying to refine me in this particular way? Yeah, it's something new by the hour. I was expecting this question. I was thinking about like what he's teaching me this week or since the last time I've been on. And um, I, I remember reading Romans uh, Romans 7 and it's so cool when you have a moment when you're reading the Bible and then something just really pops out at yeah. you. And it's when Paul is talking about his sin and he's like, the evil that I don't want to do, I do. And the, the good that I want to do, I can't do. And he's like, so so which is it? And I just watched a sermon on it too. He's like, just the chapter before that, he's talking about how he's been set free from sin. The old <laughs> right. self is dead and he's yeah. free now. Thanks be to Christ. And then now he's like, what a wretched man I am. I have a war waging within me and I can't even do what I want to do. And then they use the comp- comparison to the psalmist in Psalm 119, where it's like over a hundred verses about how much they love the law, how the statutes are so good. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness that they're there. And then it, it ends with, and I strayed away like a lost sheep. Mm. It's like, after all that, you strayed away? What after do you mean you, you just, strayed yeah, away? singing its praises, and then you're like, yeah, but I stray. Yeah, and, and uh, <clears throat> so just being aware, just being aware of, of sin and, uh, you know, how the law is, it, just for a new believer, it's, it's just so easy to fall. And we've talked about this before. People are like, Parker, enough with the sin stuff, but... Uh, just the idea that subconsciously your brain is always just like the more, the more righteous and good that I do, the better I'm going to be viewed by God, which is just, it's just, it's just a lie that we tell ourselves that like, I'm going to become more righteous in God's eyes. John MacArthur uses this analogy of when Lazarus is, is in the tomb and he's dead and, and Jesus, Jesus calls him out and the people are like, he's been dead, you know, three or four days. He's going to stink. Like he's going to mm-hmm. smell like a decomposing body. His flesh is rotting and Jesus calls him out and he comes out and he's got all the linens that they buried him in. And it smells like, like the dead flesh from his mm-hmm. body. He's got the, this, this stinking garment on him, but he's alive, but he's got all of this, this stinking linen on him. And, and he's like, this is the analogy of the born again believer we have. We've been set free. We are born again. The old self is dead. But we've got not only linens, we have a carcass next mm. to us, the stinking carcass. And until we're redeemed into the next life with Christ, we're going to have this here. We're going to have to deal with this this dead carcass, this flesh. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not to say that we should wallow in it and be, be like, oh, it's like and, this is this burden. It's around my neck. I'm going to sink with it. And being like, but it's just being aware of like Paul, it's almost like I was reading Romans 7 and Paul's just like, me too. And it's just like, sometimes that's just all you need to hear. It's like, yeah, me too. Yeah. You know? And I think sometimes we get, we we accept the lie that somehow we're uniquely broken and that others aren't broken and dealing with sin like we are. And we're like, no. I'm I'm of a particular breed of brokenness that others can't relate to and I'm somehow more vile than the next. And and so we isolate, we hide, and we don't allow that to come into the light where it's going to be cleansed and can be dealt with and we can experience freedom from it in that moment. Mm. And so we try to hide it. Um but 
That that's a lie. All, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and there is nobody who can evade that reality. And so, you may have certain uh, draws to certain kinds of sin or tendencies towards certain things, but you're certainly in no way unique in the fact that you're broken and you're dealing with, as you said, a dead carcass. So, yeah, that's good stuff. And so how do you balance that with, okay, there's this, this can also be a joyful season. Like I'm, I'm in a season where, man, I'm just reminded all the time of my selfishness and all that kind of stuff. But then how do you balance it with, man, there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, just uh, not, not letting that hold you down because then the whole point is that's, that's the point of the law so that you're conscious of that sin and, and then understanding it to its full depravity and then being like, but God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us and that we will never be condemned for it. The moment that you're saved, the moment that you're saved, you're no longer condemned. You have the full, God yeah. views you as justified yeah. and not guilty. And yeah, you become sanctified and that sin is, is purged out as, as you live and as you, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit does its work in you. But that moment that you accept Christ, you're no more righteous than, uh, or you're not any less righteous than you are after a lifetime of becoming sanctified in God's eyes, right? Yeah. That's, that's the whole point. And correct me if I'm wrong on that. No, but, that's, that's exactly um, right. So just, it's just asking myself on a daily basis, really practically, how would I view this? how would I live today as if the Bible were true? Mm. Meaning that our life here is so short. God has, has saved me when I didn't deserve it. And I'm, I get to be with him forever and ever and ever. And when I die, you lose family, you lose everybody that you've known, you lose all of the things that you've accumulated, you lose sex, you lose the food, the things that you love here. And Paul calls it gain. Mm. You put everything you've ever known on a scale in Christ, the scale shoots down and everything else flies off and you're left with Christ and Paul calls it gain. So it's just like, you know, it's all, it's all going to be, it's all going to be good in the end. Yeah. I think what I like is that you have perspective. Like both of these are, you're able to kind of see things for what they are. You see, the reality of man i'm i'm still dealing with some issues of the flesh but i'm also walking in the reality of of who i am as a redeemed son of the most high god like those are both true there's this already not yet state some theologians talk about the already not yet that we're already justified and purified and and found righteous before the throne of god and yet we don't experience sinlessness yet, mm. right? We're, we're already these things, and yet our daily experience is still one of, I still got to deal with the effects of sin, but that's not always going to be the case, not forever. And so we're in this already not yet tension right now of the things that are, are true in the heavenlies and right now, but yet we haven't experienced them in their fullness. Good stuff, brother. I always, I always love having having a time to to be in the Word with you, and just hear. You're very. Uh, I appreciate about you that you're very honest and contemplative. Like you're always processing things. So, 
It's cool. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So what we're going to do, we're going to take and read. We're in Mark chapter four. You're helping me launch into Mark chapter four. Uh, we're going to take, uh, last episode, we took a little bit longer section just because we had to. There was enough there that was connected that it would really be difficult to kind of break it up. Uh, and so we're going to uh, take and we're going to read the first 20 verses because we really have to. And you'll see once we get into it why why so much uh, is, is going to be covered today. So uh, here we go. We jump into Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, he, te- uh, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And then when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones who, one sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. All right, there's a lot there. Man, Jesus, Jesus, uh, I love the the disciples because I'm always like, what did that mean? And then then, immediately he's like, and later with the disciples, and then Jesus just schools them all. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I'm just a disciple to Jesus. Like, you seriously don't get this You still don't get it. You don't get it? Seriously. Uh, Jesus, explain this to me like I'm five. And that's, I think there's something to, to appreciate about what, what is in Mark chapter four, that there is a, a template to help us understand all the parables, I think, 
that that he he kind of takes a moment. He he says the parable right. He's teaching, and a and a parable. We we got into it in in the last episode a little bit because we were introduced to a, a shorter parable. But there's this sense in which we understand when Jesus teaches in parables, it's not just that he's like a a pastor today who needs a, a good illustration to make a point, and so he comes up with a story to kind of make the point resonate. But there is a layer layers of meaning that exist within the parables. And what he says here, uh, I think in verse 12, they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. And so to understand that when Jesus is speaking and teaching in parables, he's extremely intentional and that there is going to be a portion of the the listening audience that see and hear and understand it, and then there's going to be another part of the audience that do not see, hear, or understand. That at the same time, he is revealing something and also concealing something. And it has to do with the nature of the heart of the person, the listener. And so that's one of the things that we see at play here. There are four soils described. Um, and he unpacks, he's like, look, you don't understand this parable? Let me break it down for you. And so there's what he shows us is that within a parable, you have to identify kind of the characters or the, the key elements within a parable. So here you have the element of seed and you have the element of soil. Mm. And so understanding, okay, what does the seed represent? And then what do the soil represent? And then there's four types of soils. And so what do they represent? And then he explains it. He's like, here's the, here's the thing. The seed is the word. And the word is the word of the kingdom of God, right? Um, and so uh, that's one of the things that we see at play here. As you stand back and look at this, are there just immediately like, okay, yeah, I still, man, I, I, need, to, I need to understand this or there's something that, that seems confusing, or do we want to just kind of get into and kind of unpack this parable according to what Jesus says the parable means? A sower is like a farmer, right? It's yeah, just so, someone planting something. Yeah, planting seeds. So okay. sowing seeds like in the, the old school way, they would have had like a, a basket or a, a pouch or a, a sack full of seeds and they would have walked the field and they would have just kind of, how do you say it in Texas, chunked it? Like you're just, you're just kind of throwing it out there, casting the seed out there on the ground. And it's, some is going to fall and it's just going to fall all over the place, right? Because you're not like with precision, you're not a sniper, like literally placing the seeds exactly where you want Mm. them. You're casting them, you're throwing it. And so seed's going to fall all over the place. And so it's a way to spread seed, a lot of seed very quickly. Yeah, so I think let's just get into these different scenarios that happens when the seed is thrown in the different places that it can land. And so we say, this is the word of God. Yep, so he tells us- These are the different circumstances that happen when the human being hears the word. Yep, and I think it's important to note in verse 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So he says that there's something about if you understand this parable, 
you'll have the resources to understand and the mind to understand, the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the rest of the parables because he, he's got a ton of them. So this is a special one. I think so. I think this is a time where he takes the moment to explain the parable and breaks it down in a way that, man, we now have a, a way to understand to approach all parables. So, yeah. Because fundamentally, he's like, you guys are going to be teaching this yeah. when I'm not here. For sure. And so you need to understand the way that your message is going to be received because it's really easy as someone who's sharing the good news to get really discouraged if it's not hitting or growing the way that they expect it to. He's like, here's the way you should set your expectations. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And he's understanding too that this way of teaching, because as we've noticed through the first three chapters of Mark, he is gaining a huge crowd. And this is no different. He, they had to rent a boat or grab a boat, and he's literally floating just off of the shore almost like the boat is his stage and everyone else is gathered on the shore, just gathered around. But now he's in a place where he's slightly out in front of the crowd so that they can all hear him. So he's got this huge crowd. And we know that these, as these crowds start to gather because of what they've heard he can do, that he can perform miracles. He can drive out demons and he can heal people. And so they're like, we know what he can do. And he's, he's, acting out the kingdom, right? He's demonstrating the authority of as the king of the kingdom of God. And so he's, he's demonstrating the kingdom and people are responding going, we want that. And so he's also teaching and we understand he teaches differently, not as the scribes, but as one who has authority. And so he's teaching authoritatively and he's demonstrating authority over demons. So the supernatural realm over sicknesses, over the physical realm, uh, he exercises authority over storm systems and weather systems. And so all this is happening. Huge crowds are gathering. So he takes on a particular style of teaching using things called parables that he can say into an audience knowing that some will get it and some it'll just fly right over their head. Mm. And the ones that he needs to get it will get it. And the ones that he needs to not understand it at this time will not understand it at this time mm. because their hearts are hardened. A lot and, of people would have a problem with that. Yeah. They'd question the, the justness of God. Why do some hear it and not others is yeah. the question. Well, and, and we want control. Yeah. And we also see just prior to this in the last section of scripture we looked at in the end of chapter three, even his own family they're starting to call him crazy. They're like, he's out of his mind. We got to stop him. What is he doing? And then the, the, the scribes come in and they're like, well, he's, he's clearly possessed by Satan. He's possessed by a demon. And so that's when he confronts them and is like, how can you say what I'm doing, which is of the Holy Spirit, is, is an unclean spirit? That's blasphemy. Mm. And that's when he accuses them of blasphemy and he does the whole famous a house divided against itself cannot stand. And why would Satan come in and cast out Satan? Like, that makes no sense. And so anyway, he's getting to a point where some people are really struggling with what he's saying. And so he begins to teach. And some are going to be like, what is this guy talking about? This guy's, uh, he's just talking gibberish. I don't even know what that means. And then others are going to be like, 
that was, that was profound. I get it. And what he, so yeah. So in, in general, what is he talking about? But he, he talks about this, um, the word here is, that's what the seed is. The seed represents the word. What is the, what does the word represent? What word? He says in verse 11, he's, he's alone. He's, so he's, he's alone after this teaching and the 12 are with him, the 12 apostles. And they ask him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. And so the secret of the kingdom of God, the, the, the secret that that is the kingdom of God is at hand, that Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And this kingdom is unlike any other kingdom. The way that it's structured, it's ethic, it's power, it's, it's otherworldly, right? And that's the word. The word is the truth about the kingdom of God. Think about when Jesus starts out preaching the gospel in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It says that he was proclaiming... Uh, here, I'll, I'll pull up the specific reference, but uh, the time is fulfilled. It says that he went around proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in this gospel, this good news. So that's the good news. That's the word. Uh, and in this parable, the sower is throwing the word, is casting the word. So in this parable, he, Jesus is the sower. And he's sowing the seed of the word of the kingdom of God. And the seed falls on different soils. What do you notice about these soils? So first up, we have the seed falling on the path and the birds came and devoured it, which is uh, pretty graphic. Yeah. They didn't just like scoop it up or like swallow it to, they just, I don't know what your translation says, but devour yeah. is, uh, that's, that, yeah, it's, that has some aggression to it. Do like you, they were hungry for it. Yeah. Do you have chickens? Granger does. Actually, yeah, we do have some at the farm. So we, we started out with, uh, I think, 12 chickens. We're down to two. Let's just say some of the neighborhood critters found out that that's where a good meal is, and they came and found our chickens. Anyway, not to be too graphic, but if we've gone a few days and, and they haven't received their chicken feed, and we throw, and we I literally I'll cast some out before... Because if I get to the feeder and I pour some in, they're all over it. So what I do is I take a handful and I'll kind of cast it out. I'll throw it out so it spreads out and they are on it. And they, like, you don't want to get in the way of that. You don't want your hands or feet anywhere near that because they will, they'll peck them. So I can, I can imagine devouring the seed. So we have Jesus then comes in in 15 and goes, okay, what I meant by the birds was that's a Satan. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Not to get too off topic, but do you think that when he says Satan, do you think that he means Satan himself? Because he doesn't, he says Satan. He, do, he doesn't say uh, the like evil in general. Yeah, he doesn't say demons. Yeah, I think there's that that's a representative of Satan, his devices, okay. his forces, right? That he will come and, and understanding that imagine too, in that day and age, a path would have been the well-worn kind of where foot traffic and, 
animal traffic would have gone. So it would have been very compact, right? So not a soil that seeds can penetrate, but it would have been hard packed, almost like concrete, right? So there's no place for the seed to go. It's just a hard packed surface. And so the seed is cast there and immediately the birds devour it. Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Yeah. Okay. Next we have seed on rocky ground. Right. So rocky ground, which man, in our, our part of Texas, we can relate to that. There can be some, uh, you don't go but a few inches before you hit limestone, shale, hard rock. So what's interesting is it immediately springs up. Yep. And then when the sun rose, it was scorched since it had no root. Yeah, it tells that perhaps it looks as though it's going to be good and it looks to be stable, but its root system isn't into something that can provide the right amount of moisture. And so it shrivels up because it just gets dehydrated. It's scorched by the sun. Yeah, so it says immediately they received it with joy. Yeah. And they have no root, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation, in other words, the sun comes out and scorches it, tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately Mm -hmm. they fall away. Yeah. Immediately they receive it with joy. Immediately they fall away which I remember having a conversation at a small group with a friend and goes, I just get, sometimes I get so discouraged and confused of my buddies who were all in. They found it. I was like, they are born again. This is it. They found Christ. Everything's going to change. And they were going to small groups. They're going to church and then nothing, Mm -hmm. just static, just baseline, no heartbeat anymore. They are, they, they're done. They completely lost interest and they said, never mind. That wasn't for me. And he was like, I just get so, so confused. And it's like, this is that exactly. Right. I imagine it almost like a flare, right? You, you fire a flare and it's bright and it's got speed and it's just, it's going and it's glowing. And then it starts to just, it flares out, right? It, it fades it droops, its trajectory falls, and the light dims until it's gone. So, yeah, there's that, that imagery there. of, um, And I think, too, to jump back to the original one. Well, no, we'll do that in a minute. Okay, so let's keep going. So we got rocky ground, and then the next kind of ground or uh, soil. Next we have thorns. Yep. The seed fell among thorns. And then the thorns grew up. So yeah. It. So this, the the plant is growing, but then the thorns come in and just basically suffocate it out. And what is it that's suffocating here in the life of a person that receives the the word in this way, or is this kind of soil? We have the cares of the world mm-hmm. and the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. Yeah. So j- basically, idolatry and our love for stuff our love for this life, for this world, seeking affirmation, meaning, purpose in things else outside of the, the good news of Christ. And they just kind of grow in, seep in, and 
and just overtake your priorities. And it's kind of scary. Yeah. It's not just riches. It's the deceitfulness. It deceives you. You're literally, it's a lie. It's, so you may not even be rich, but your pursuit of, of riches because you're deceived that those are worth the pursuit. And so you're prioritizing that pursuit or gaining those types of things. Yeah. That's the uh, Romans one twenty five. one of the verses you gave me, I believe. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They for worshiped right. and served the created things. Rather than the creator. Yeah. That's exactly right. All right. And then we have a fourth soil. Where is it? I'm lost. They are the ones, um, he says in 20. Oh, this is the good one. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Three things, right? You hear it, you receive it, you believe it, and it produces fruit because you live it out. You live according to the word and it bears the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, and self-control. God, let that be me. Amen. I think something to step back and see, um, when we approach parables, I think we right away jump to significance. Why is this significant to me? I think a first step is important is to locate it in its context there and understand what was the meaning intended by the author. And so here you have Mark relaying Jesus's teaching of the parables. And so what is Jesus up to in this immediate historical moment? What is he meaning to do? Right? Crowds are gathering and growing around him. He himself says that there is going to be a sense in which when he teaches this, that they may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Isn't that what, wouldn't that be the good thing? Like, isn't that what we want? And so there's something about what Jesus is up to here that we have to locate the meaning here in the context of this word. He's teaching it, and he says he's going to keep teaching these parables. And that the disciples need to understand this parable so that they'll understand all the parables. And so this parable of the soil and the seed is crucial. And I think understanding that Jesus here is saying that he is the sower. And he's sowing the word of the kingdom of God, the gospel. And as he sows it, there it's going to go out and it's going to land on the path. It's going to land on the rocky ground. It's going to land in the thorn bushes. And it's going to land on good soil. As he's teaching, like he's literally teaching the parable, and that's literally happening right there and then in the crowd. Mm. The seed, the word, is falling on different soils in the moment. And there are some that are hearts are so hardened they will not receive it. And it's just, it's snatched away immediately. There are others that are like, oh, this is great. I love this. Yeah, this guy's good to go. Then they start walking away and they go, oh man, there's there's other stuff to to tend to. And maybe, maybe I, that was a, maybe what he was talking about, maybe that's not real or they don't understand it or, other things start to come in and 
and the pressures of being a follower of Christ start to Im- impede their faithfulness. And they're like, uh, he, he, his, his followers are getting persecuted or, or whatever it is in the heat, right? The sun scorches them and they dry up. And then there's others that they love the message of the kingdom of God. They're excited, but then reality sets in and they've got debts to pay. They've got to try to secure a life for themselves or develop prominence and meaning and purpose in their life. And so they're, they just move on. And then there's others in that crowd that it's, their, their hearts are ready to receive and they do receive it and they go, this is absolutely the Messiah. He's the one. And I'll sell all that I have and do whatever I have to live for him and I'll do whatever he says. And in their faithfulness of hearing it, receiving it, it will begin to bear fruit in their life. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that what makes this one different, it's almost like a, it's almost like this, Jesus being this teacher delivering this this message with this authority, he's all, he, it's not like he's saying we're going to deliver these the message and these ten points, and we are going to uh, you know cater to their intelligence and be able to get into debates. Not that we shouldn't be able to do that, or not that I'm downplaying that, but it's almost like he's like letting them know, encouraging them that you know it's you know I'm in control. Father yeah. is in control here, and I'm telling you how this truth is going to be received. It's not like he's like, we need we need to fight for this, uh, or, or like otherwise, like there's a sense of like calm, like I'm in control. It's not like if these people don't hear this, then you know it's it's all going to fall apart. And like, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like he's managing expectations. He's like, you're going to go out. And as even as he's teaching this, he's not concocting a a campaign, uh, a marketing campaign. Yeah. Like, how can we sell this to as many people as possible? But he is communicating a message about the kingdom of God, and using the vehicle of parables for a very intentional reason. Realizing that some are going to have hard hearts. Some are going to be really excited, and then any kind of pressure concerning this truth, they're going to they're going to fade away. There's others that are going to be really excited, but other things are going to start to just creep in and and take priority in their life, to where this message just gets choked out, and they're just so persuaded by other things. But there's going to be some. And this, this word, this seed is going to just take root and it's going to grow and they're going to believe it and they're going to bear fruit. And that's, that's a reality. And so I think as the disciples hear this, they've got to be asking the question, okay, looking around in our midst, what kind of soil we got in our crew here? What kind of soil are we, our hearts? What kind of soil is it? And he's also calling to account that there are those that hear the word, probably a lot of the Pharisees and the scribes, and their soil is being revealed. And the word's going out, and they just, it's just constantly hard path, not taking root, snatched up. Hard path, snatched up. And uh, 
And then there's even some that, man, even um, you've got like the Nicodemus and others that will hear and maybe for a, a short season it'll it'll mean something, but then something else happens. Pressure comes and scorches it out. And so I think moving, if, if, that's what, if that's what Jesus is saying there and then, it's not hard for us to then go, well, why is that significant for us today? Well, because we, we know. I mean, even as we were reading this, you're like, okay, I know a buddy that's just like that. Like I have friends that, man, they become a believer and you think they're just all fired up for the Lord and they're doing everything and, and man, they've, they've just totally radically bought in. A couple months go by and you're like, hey, whatever happened to Ted? Sorry, if your name's Ted out there, it's, I'm not implying that. What happened not. to you, Ted? But yeah, you go, what happened? And they're just, they've totally faded and fell away from the faith. And so, yeah, <laughs> I think for me, as I read this, I go, man, what kind of soil would represent my heart? And also realizing that as I, as a minister of the gospel, as I preach, as a follower of Christ, as I share the good news that has transformed my life, I also recognize there's going to be different soil out there and to not be discouraged and to recognize as I continue to perpetuate this message, as I continue empowered by Christ himself to sow seed of the word, it's going to fall in different soil. Mm. And, I, and I just chalk it up to him that he's got to do the the growing. I'm gonna I'm gonna plant. Others are gonna water. Others are gonna cultivate. But there's gonna be growth. But it's all the Lord causing growth. But there are gonna be times in which, man, that that growth is, it's in rocky ground, and we watch people fade away from the faith because they take pressure for being a Christian, and they just don't want to. The pressure's too much. There's others that, man, they get fired up and they, they love them some church and they go to church, and but they also love a lot of other stuff. And they're pursuing meaning and significance, whether it's through business or family or relationships or stuff, and they consume and they, and there's other priorities that kind of choke out the priority of their, their first love. Yeah, I like how you said my first thought was, what kind of soil do I have? Because it's really easy to read this and go and to think about other people, which is so common. It's like a, a, a pastor will give a message or like Granger will give a sermon, my brother, and, and then someone will come up to him afterwards and be like, man, that was so good. And Granger's like, I was talking about you. But we never look at ourselves. It's like, you shouldn't think that was good. You should feel convicted. Yeah. Some people will come up and go, oh, that was great. I'm glad there's a recording because I know just the person who needs to <laughs> yeah, hear that. Exactly. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's scary because like I, I, we all, we're all so biased. We're all in our own head. And so it's like, all right, Satan didn't snatch it up. I got something in me. But Jesus specifically warns about two things that can make it fall away. Number one is, is that tribulation and persecution. Mm-hmm. Is this going to stand firm when that, when that hardship comes? And then number two, am I aware of the deceitfulness of riches and the lies of this world that can literally choke it out? And not to say that you should be, a, you know, some people hear that and they're like, well, should I be afraid that I'm going to lose my salvation? It's like, no, like you are like, there's some people here that it's like you are in the lamb's book of life. Like 
Mm. You are good to go. You, you should be encouraged and not living in fear. But um, I do. I think it's good to be aware of this and to to audit yourself and be like, am I aware of the lies of this world? And um, am I aware of what Jesus said is going to happen to certain people who hear it? And when I go through extreme trial, is that going to push me away from Christ or, or am I going to trust him? Man, that's a good word. That's a good word. Well, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for being here. That's a powerful word to walk away with and certainly a burden for prayer. I think of uh, our brothers and sisters. We had uh, Pastor Yvonne on the podcast, uh, who is a, a pastor and leader in Ukraine. And given what's going on in their world, as they face invasion and persecution, that this kind of stuff is going to really, their, their, their metal is going to be tested. And so pray for the church mm. in Ukraine. In fact, uh, I'm going to pray for them right now. Father, we, we, we pray for our brothers and sisters on the other side of the, the globe. I pray for their faith. I pray that they would be found with that good soil that in the midst and in the face of great adversity, because of the word sown in them, because of the truth of Christ, that they believe that they would hold firm and that they would bear fruit because you are their God and their king and their protector. And they would not trust in horse or chariot, but they would trust in you, the living God, to be their source of protection, to be their great fortress, to be their life, and that they would, in leaning on you, bring much glory and honor and that a watching world would see their faith and see that you are a God that can be trusted. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being with me today, brother. And uh, thank you for tuning in. If you've joined us for the first time, welcome. Uh, you've, you, you can scroll back through and begin in the first part of Mark and join us, uh, but you're not too far behind. And uh, yeah, if you want uh, to continue to support the podcast, you can get hats at 22beans.com. Uh, take and read hats are there. Uh, you can also buy some of their coffee because they help uh, underwrite some of the, the production costs for this podcast. And so thank you so much for joining us. And uh, be sure to go now, take and read the word of God. God bless. God bless.